Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Welcome to the one and only Dogpot, your home for fans of the University of Washington Huskies tackle football team. And can I say it? The 2020 King of the North, your North champions. Read it and weep, Ducks. Complaints, bud. It's hard to hear you. Oh, it's not a legit North title? It's, it's tough to hear you above the glorious sounds of our Pac-12 North banner slowly rustling in the winds above the sunny shores of Lake Washington. King of the North. Catch I'm the King of the North. <laughs> That's right. I'm here with Law Dog and Mitch. Gentlemen, our show to you brought to you by out of Scranton, PA in Oakland, California, President Joseph R. Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Can you believe it? What up? The new day in America, BT. A new day. Now, not paying sponsors, but fair to say, if they weren't being, if we didn't have this inauguration today, I don't think we'd be recording. So we can fair to say, brought to you by those two. Supporters, BT. Supporters. Supporters. That's right. That's right. I just heard their, I heard their fans. I heard their fans. Now, guys, we got, we can't bury the lead. Huge news in Husky land. But first... Breaking, breaking, breaking as the last couple hours. we got to start with something actually pretty damn positive. Adios, Larry Scott, Champagne Larry, will finish out his year as the Pac-12 commissioner. And May, he is done. No more contract negotiations like he said he was going to do. He is gonzo, fellas. Talk to me about it. Well, you know, there's breaking reports, BT, that he's actually moving into Mar-a-Lago with somebody else. Um, yes. And so we're all very excited about the fact that it's a big exit today. Of, same, uh, same approval rate. Don't, don't let the door don't let the door sever your spine and paralyze you on the way out, Larry. I mean, <laughs> this has been a long time coming. We can't, as we've all said, we can't blame all of the Pac-12's problems on Larry Scott. But holy smokes, we can blame a lot of his decisions. Just look really really bad in hindsight and i think from a leadership well, perspective fair to BT, say nowhere to go but up yeah bt what was that article from maybe Canzano a couple of months ago but anyway it was just one of the athletic directors might have been rob mullins's quote is saying it's just a death by a thousand cuts right it's the ah. tv contract it's the pac-12 network it's the distribution it's the officiating it's the um, the corporate offices, it's his yep. private suite everywhere mm-hmm. he goes. It's his freaking private jet. jets. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. fact that he was paid $40 million over the last 11 years. I mean, look, the PAC 12 is at a crossroads. I think we've talked about that enough on the show, but you look at where they need to go and do they need to pay somebody more? Than $40 million to get uh, up off the mattresses and start competing again with the major conferences. I mean, we're starting to see a real big four develop with the PAC 12 in this middle ground where they're not really group of five, but they're not really power five anymore. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, that's what we've witnessed is just a slow decline to that over the last 11 years. So, I mean, they, this is a huge decision to hire and replace him. And that person's job has got to be to reverse and eliminate, erase that trend. Yeah, I mean, Ladakh, you've got a great point. I mean, ultimately, as the commissioner of a conference, you are accountable for the brand of the conference. And in the last five years, it's undeniable 
that the Pac-12 has has slid into meet like Mountain West mediocrity, right? And part of that is this disastrous decision around media and the fact that nobody can watch your games on the East Coast. This this whole Olympic sports deal, we're going to own our own media rights was, you know, at first you're kind of looking at it when they signed the ESPN deal and some of that, you're like, okay, like this is exciting at the time, but they never evolved past that stance. You have to keep moving. You have to keep evolving. And if people cannot watch your programs play, that is why you are losing five-star recruits out of your recruiting ground. And they're going to places like Clemson and other places, which was not as common. Ohio because State. Ohio State. Because guess what? That's what's on TV. And that's ultimately at Larry Scott's doorstep. And he will ultimately be thought of as the commissioner who ran our conference into the ground, rented fancy ass, you know, big conference um, um, centers in downtown San Francisco with ridiculous real estate prices was flying around in jets while the conference was burning. The Barbara Hedges of the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, well, there, I, is, I, will I think the question becomes: Has the damage is the damage even reversible at this point? Yeah, I right. mean, I, I, I think that is a big question. I have. I don't know. I mean, look, go higher. Um, you know. Who's the, I'm trying to think of the WWF guy, Vince, Vince McMahon. Can he reverse this trend? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I am very concerned about the long-term health of the conference. And, and I think we've talked about that a lot. And I, I just, I, I don't know that that can be fixed at this point anymore. I, I, I do th- look, it's five years. It, it's tough. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to put the uh, glass half full here and say that you have a lot of great history and good years that aren't too far in the rearview mirror. They have to make a slam dunk hire and get back to quit being so cute and doing all that crazy crap that Mitch was talking about. Understand what your moneymaker is. It's football. It's men's basketball. Protect it. Protect it. Promote it. You got to get eyeballs on your games and revenue that comes from that. And don't get too cute hiring somebody from Harvard. Get somebody that knows the game. Get them in there. I agree. I think it's got to be somebody who knows the West coast, um, who understands the, the talent that's out here. And then someone who's really, really savvy media wise. And, and, and when I say savvy, I don't mean too creative. I mean, get your product in the mainstream that the, do what it takes. You know what I mean? And, and reverse course of whatever this, this, um, you know, kind of, um, failed, um, strategy was that Scott and his cronies had in place because people got to watch the the games and then hopefully you're keeping guys home and you're slowly rebuilding it. But I don't think it's going to be a fast thing. I think it's going to take some time. Um, but you, I, I honestly, I feel very convicted about this, guys. Like it needs to be somebody who understands the conference well, who's from the West Coast and who can make a really smart hire on the media um, side of the house to just totally rebuild that strategy and and burn it to the ground and do something completely different. <clears throat> I totally agree. You need a cultural fit, but I, I, and I totally agree. You need somebody who's going to get that distribution wide and promote the brand and all that. And maybe it needs to be somebody flashy, like, uh, you know, but at the same time, I also do think 
we're left with no choice but to also be creative. I mean, maybe the Pac-12 games streaming in China is the is the thing that's going to bring us on par with the, the SEC and some other conference. I don't know, but, but I'm just but saying there are out. things like that that I think you know we're going to have to take some shots down the field. I, I, I get that law dog. How many recruits do we get from China? <laughs> there's only the three or four that I can think of. Yeah. yeah. There's only so many Shanghai defensive linemen that are out there, buddy. Like we yeah. got to get into the right households. That's, I'd that's say, shut up. my point I of view. Agreed. You're, you, you, I think you have to be creative in the ways that you get us back into traditional media, direct TV dish, ESPN contracts, Fox, um, you know, things of this nature that get that get them that really start pulling in revenue. But look, I think we can all agree on this. There is no way to uh, nowhere to go but up. And I'm very glad we didn't write some stupid five year extension and have to fire him in right. a year. Let him part his ways in May. It's you know, it's a weird covid year anyway. And let's make it a big slam dunk higher. Um, the last thing that I'll say, BT, there that I'm a little disappointed. What is this mutual garbage? Like, could we, could we have just made a statement? Yeah. Like you're fired. See ya. <laughs> yeah. I know. yeah. I wonder if there was a little bit of a, um, look, here's the deal. You guys say this thing is mutual. Um, let me part ways and, and I'll have a no suit clause in my contract. And it will, you know, d- rather than being fired, or, I'll, or I'll leave a year early or, and not make a fuss about it or whatever. There's, there's lots of things lot of ways. Do to negotiate. And Larry Scott needs to salvage his own, the reputation at this point, which is, you know, in the toilet and grinding around with, you know, the rocks and dirt and shit in the sewer. So I think it's fair to say he's done with big sports, but look at, don't feel bad for the dude. He's going to land on his feet and he will be just fine. Now, can we move on to somebody who like, let's say landed on his feet. Um, the other bombshell, which we thought was going to be our, our only big news story, but, um, they can't bury the lead, man. Coach Sark and his thieving freaking ways stole Coach Kwiatkowski from us. We have no defensive coordinator. Um, this one was tough. So, look, Coach K leaves for Texas. Um, just a high level. He doubled his salary, roughly. Goes for $6 million for three years instead of the one we were going to give him 1.1 next year. Uh, a couple highlights. He gets to go work for an offensive-minded head coordinator, uh, which I think is a little bit different than what he had at Washington. The resources okay. comparison. Texas, $219 million in operating revenue in 2019. UW tops in the Pac-12 with $84 million. $84 million. Texas just sneezed $24 million to buy out Tom Herman and staff. They have got cash. They've got their own TV network. Speaking about that, we have like 8% of a fledgling freaking network. I'm going to put this out to you guys. Lots of stuff to think about. Was it just money? Was it just ownership? What was it? What are your thoughts? Uh, this is this is really uh, not good, guys. I mean, from from uh, from Husky Nation, you know, he's statistically been one of the best in the business. Like, let's just get that out there, right? Um, 2010 to 2017, defenses allowed the fewest points per game, 18.7 of any coordinator in major college football. Okay, mm. 2015 to 2018. UW led the Pac-12 in scoring defense and total defense for four consecutive seasons. 17 UW defensive players have been drafted that have gone to the show. He gets guys into the NFL. Um, And I think, you know, there's kind of two other pieces that were really big to me. You know, his flexibility when he was like, look, 
I'll be the co-defensive coordinator, right? To keep Jimmy around. It was a big deal. You know, not a lot of guys are willing to do that, to keep continuity within the program, to have a huge amount of humility to say, you know what, I'm going to take a, I'll, I'll take a smaller role here to keep our, our, the thing that we have going here rolling. Um, that's a big deal. Um, and then he, the maturity as a senior statesman on the staff, you know, I, I guarantee you in that coach room, coach's room, things get hot, things get heated, things kind of can seem, you know, kind of going up and down, you know, depending on the season, that guy was a guarantee you a calming factor in yeah. all of that. So it hurts in a lot of different ways. I think the last thing is just the one thing that I really thought, you know, the dogs had going for them in the next couple of years was just continuity of their staff. Granted, Chris Peterson left, right? But you've mm-hmm. got a staff that has been around behind him for a long time. Um, you know, Coach K was a big part of that. So, you know, it is really damaging, I think, to the dogs in a bunch of different ways, um, which, you know, re- really has me concerned right now. Oh, <laughs> you're here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is absolutely catastrophic. I mean, I, I just, I don't know any like good or positive spin to put on it. I do. He coach K one of the best coordinators in college football, I would say. And I mean, you still have Lake, you still have Malloy, but I mean, this is like a big crack in the foundation, right? You can either take your medicine and fix it right now, or you can roll the dice and probably pay a lot more to fix it later. Like of the program of the program, like. I am concerned about this. I, I just don't know any other way to say it. I mean, I agree with everything that Mitch just said. He has been a stalwart coach, teacher, continuity. He's just been a huge part of this program. And, you know, I think there was a time probably when he could have said to coach, you know, him and Peterson seemed to have that that connection. And he might have been able to say to Peterson, hey, Texas is going to double my salary. And Peterson says, hey, wait, I'll get you – I'll get you more money, you know, whatever, but I can't do it this year. I'll do it next year, whatever. And there was like a trust. I mean, it just, I don't know that this is true, but it just, it feels like with Jimmy Lake on top and Jimmy Lake in charge, a guy who basically, you know, leaped over him to get the job. I just don't see that same level of trust and loyalty, you know, that probably existed. And he was, you know, he said to the athletic in an article I read today, um, you know, Hey, it was just time for a change. I just wanted something new. So, you know, I I'm concerned. You look around this defensive staff. Now that we used to trust it implicitly, right? We had Lake on the back end. We had coach K up front. Um, we had Malloy. I mean, now it's really just Malloy and a bunch of new guys like Will Harris, um, and Bob Gregory, who has been a DC before at Cal. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to want this job. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, we've criticized and, and I don't know that this, that would be the right choice for this moment. This is a big hire for Jimmy Lake. He's got to get this right. I mean, his offensive coordinator hire, I don't think anyone's saying he hit a home run. Jury's out. Jury, I, jury's out. Jury's, jury's out. still out. So, I mean, yeah. you know, this is big and you know, if we see a backslide in the next couple of years, uh, this defense would, that we could trust so much in the last like five, six years. Uh, if we start to see the backslide, like the cracks are there to me. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anything good to say about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. The, the, this is great. I think 
on one side, if it was the case that there was some, you know, that he asked to match the salary and, you know, Jen Cohen, or they look at it and say, look at, you know, COVID year budgets are down. There's no way we can match it. That's one thing. It does really sound like there's probably some cultural things going on uh, as well. You know, what does that mean? Time for change. How much of an effect was the leapfrog that you guys talked about? Uh, you know, what did that do to him? couple other questions. You know, does this change? He look, he's an out, look, he's an outside linebacker coach at heart, right? I mean, that's his specialty. How much of our nickel defensive line technique? That's right. That's right. How much of our nickel based scheme that we rely so heavily is dependent upon his philosophy that we've kind of recruited for? Do we to make a change from that? Um, I think it's really interesting. And now, and then you have to start thinking about, look, there's nothing we can do about it. The other thing I think is funny is like, boy, the, uh, Hey, best of luck coach. Sark, boy, we're happy for you. Cheering from you from Seattle. Boy, is that over. <laughs> I, mean, now, I mean, how quickly Husky Nation is like, screw this thieving freaking prick. Um, I know saw that online, BT, but I frankly was never happy for the guy. The way it ended here, the way it ended at SC. <laughs> yeah. I, no, seriously, like, I like yeah. screw that guy. Uh, he used yeah. UW as a stepping stone, and now he's using it as a training pool for his coaches. I mean, he look back at the things he said at his opening press conference at UW in what, 2008, 2009? Uh, I mean, Every word that came out of his mouth that day was a lie. Basically, I have no love for the guy. I really don't. I know some people do, but yeah, I mean, you. I think you I, look. I, I have a soft spot. You want to cheer for the guy who's kind of overcome his own like you know addictions and and made things right. And you know, and and I will say like he he brought us from garbage to being respectful. Uh, but um, I think he's this is like I mean, it's not a bullshit move. He he like look if you're a Texas fan, you're loving. This is a great move. This is amazing yeah. for you. I mean, this is like absolutely could, could, probably couldn't get any better. Now the and question it was a for smart us, move by Sark. Uh, yeah, the smart move by Sark as well. The, we're past this now. You got to think about what's next. Like a couple options. You think? Do you go with someone with, with some UW history? Peter Sermon at Cal, Gerald Alexander Miami, Court Dennison Louisville, Kane Ioni at Montana State, Marcel Yates at Cal. Do you promote from within? You guys talked about like you're sure Gregory wants this job at Keiko Malo. People like Scott Huff, or do you go big and outside no UW connection? I, you know, I personally think I'm seeing a lot of Peter Sermon talk. That guy is not leaving Cal and his boy, Justin Wilcox for a lateral job. It's not going to happen. So get that out of your mind. Um, I think Gerald Alexander is an interesting name. I would like to see them hire from outside. And I also think we need to make this a recruiting first, not recruiting first, but I mean, this is a recruiting important position for us because, you know, we we've started to kind of bleed some of our staff and we're starting to bleed some talent, frankly, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yep. and so recruiting is going to be really crucial with this hire too. Gerald Alexander is a good name for that. I like court Dennison, but I don't yep. know enough about him on the X's and O's side, but I think that's a guy you probably could get, because uh, he's an alum, and it would be a great fit. Um, so th- that's what I'd like to see. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I think it. Uh, you know, I I I hate to say it. I just don't. I don't think the bench is quite there within the program as is. Right. I could be proven wrong, but um, I I just don't think it's deep enough for for this criticality. The coach in his second year. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think if they do hire from outside, 
the big thing I'm looking for is that person needs to know the recruiting footprint. They need to have relationships. I, I don't think it's a John Don type of hire. I think it's somebody who knows the high school coaches in the Northwest and in California and, you know, the places where we rely on for our bread and butter, it, it, it has to be somebody along those lines. Um, because, you know, back to the Larry Scott stuff, I, you know, when you look back at previous years, the, the years that we dominated, we had guys like Vita Vea and Greg Gaines that were holding that D line that they could recruit and find in our mm -hmm. footprint. We cannot afford to have a bunch of down years recruiting um, from a de defensive perspective. We're, we're going to be in big trouble. Um, and I think we're light on that on the offensive side of the ball, quite frankly, with hiring somebody from an offensive coordinator perspective who's probably catching up a little bit, who doesn't have those relationships in our recruiting foot footprint. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and I think we all had the same feeling when he hired Coach John Don, which all of us were like, well, I hope it works. Hope, hope, you know, maybe he knows something we don't. And I'd hate to see that again with whatever DC that we hire. I don't think you can afford to have that. I, I yeah. just don't think you can. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be wild. This one was a tough one. I mean, look, it's not at the magnitude of losing, of losing coach Pete, you know, which we were so, uh, you know, everyone was so blown away by. And I think this one, there's not a single person that saw this that, I mean, we were surprised, but we all thought, Hey, makes sense for the guy. Um, but boy, this one hurts. Um, and look, is this one, is this, a, is this the, hate to call this the trough, but is this something that Coach Lake can prove his worth, make an amazing hire, rebuild this thing in his own image and his own strategy and blow? Or is this the thing that's like, well, I guess this accelerates the uh, the 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 end of this experiment? Well, look, I mean, Nick Saban is a guy who is the most successful college football coach maybe in history. I mean, frankly, if we you know look at what he's done. And he's losing a coordinator yep. every year. He just lost yep. one to Texas. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And he reloads every every year, right? There's been a lot of examples of this. I mean, Don James went through a lot of coordinators on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think if you're a great coach, you do a couple of things really well. One, you you look at the big picture. You keep the organized. You you create the culture, you do all of that, but you also hire really well because if you're great, you, you have success and you have to do it a lot. And, you know, Jimmy Lake, we're still kind of seeing what those hires are looking like so far. I mean, nothing has blown me away, but I haven't seen, I mean, you know, we're about to review the 2020 season. There was a lot of good things that happened and, you know, North champions. I mean, you, you can't say it was bad, but I mean, there's certainly just kind of a jury is out type of feeling. So, you know, we will see, I think, I think Jimmy though needs to, if he's going to be a successful and a elite head coach, which he wants to be at Washington, he needs to learn and ha he needs to learn how to hire well, and he needs to execute on hires. And this is a big opportunity. Right. Yeah, and Law Dog, another point of that, like, let's not lose sight that two years ago, the offseason that we were talking about was Saban wanting to hire Jimmy Lake as his defensive coordinator, right? <laughs> and so, you know, like, I mean, th look, let's... And Jimmy Lake might be the new coach at Tennessee this I, week uh, if he had done that. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, right, you know, that's right. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So the to your point, the sample size is way too small. Um, it, 
you, we can't pass any judgment. It's not a good sign, but at the same time, let's get, you know, like, let's let this guy run. I love his energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, let's see what he does. So yeah, it's bad news. Let's not I mean, try to sugarcoat it. Yeah. We don't have a choice, but you know, like quite frankly, let's see what happens. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, if you've had a chance to meet him and talk to him, I mean, I think he impresses and you, you got to think that he does the same thing with recruits and recruiters homes. I mean, it's, um, uh, I mean, night and day from there was, there was some requests, uh, from, uh, our, our hardcore listener, Sean Olkai, what wanted, wanted a solid half hour old Sark stories so we can <laughs> do a little payback for him. And boy, the, the, uh, the cupboard is loaded, but look, tough day for Husky nation, but, was a pretty cool season, a really weird one with some highs and lows. Law Dog, give me the cliff notes, baby. Let's hear it. Yeah, so 2020 season summary, right? Um, you know, this it really, like, where do you begin, right? We knew over the summer this was going to be kind of a choppy season. Then it, they canceled it. They came up with this new testing protocol that was supposed to be state-of-the-art. Meanwhile, the rest of college football started playing. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, and Pac-12 finally got their act together to start the season, you know, kind of in early November. And then, of course, we have our first game against Cal canceled right out of the gate. So the Huskies do not actually get on the field until November 14th. And then on their opening drive, guys, Three and out and a high snap over the punter's head. It's amazing. Turn for a touchdown. I mean, if you would talk, if you'd stop me right then, I would have said everything up to this point has been a disaster. But everything from that point forward actually went pretty well, all things considered. Um, Huskies end up turning, at, you know, in a win against Oregon State, it ended up being kind of better than we thought they were going to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was Lake's opening statement, if you will. Huskies yep. win twenty seven twenty one, and Lake's one to zero, and we were happy again watching Husky football from our living rooms. Then Arizona comes to town. They had just played USC to the wire. We were all a little nervous going back through our picks, right? Um, mm-hmm. But this was the game. I feel like this was the game where the Huskies really felt like what they have been for the last five years. They just dominated this game. They were 37 nothing going in the fourth quarter. They brought in all their scrubs. And I happen to remember Chris Peterson saying in one of his radio interviews with Softy, I think the week after that game, he goes, well, when you put in the backups, it never goes well. <laughs> but the Huskies... <laughs> Huskies end up holding on 44-27 minutes, but it was a game they really dominated and they kind of started looking good again. Then there was another COVID cancellation, the Apple Cup. We scrambled to get a a game together against Utah. And of course, this was probably, um, you know, one of the high points of the season as well. They get down big early and then they come back uh, all the way down from 21 down to win 24-21. So that was a huge lift. And then we started to think, man, this team, you know, could actually go the distance and, and they almost pulled it off, frankly. I mean, uh, Stanford comes to town next and that was, uh, you know, that was obviously a, you know, they just ran it down our throats for three quarters, but you know, the, the comeback was too little, too late. Huskies beat the uh, Stanford beat the Huskies for the 12th time Mm -hmm. in 16 games, BT taking that all time series lead. Um, but you know, Oregon was limping through their schedule at this point. They end up losing to Cal and the Huskies take the lead in the North by a full game. And then they had their (laughs) game with 
the border war uh, with the Ducks canceled. And they win the North by default. I mean, you know, it counts, but you don't feel great about it. Um, and Raise course, the banner, emboss it in gold, make it beautiful. Yeah, and then we were with a, with an opportunity to play um, USC for the conference championship for the third in five years, guys. And, you know, we have to cancel because of our own COVID issues. So, you know, it was it was a rocky season, but there were a lot of good things to look back on. Um, it just, you know, one thing that jumps out is you just didn't really have that consistency. Um, you know, you were down big, then you had big comebacks. Um, they're just, you know, you were up big and you kind of let the teams come in the back door, but ultimately they were three and one, won the North. You can't be too disappointed. Hey, we had college football, man. Like how cool yeah. is that? That we had a season, <laughs> which was at risk for a long time. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and look, I think the, um, amount of precautions that we were taking, uh, throughout the season, not only ended up with the late start, but how few games were played in the pack. Whereas if you looked at some of the other conferences that played a full slate and they had, you know, full fans in the stands and it wasn't a, a uniform <laughs> level of protocol at all. It was, I mean, it was crazy to sort of watch, but, uh, that was the season. Um, let's get into some high points and low points. Okay. I'm going to give out the high point. This was Apex Mountain here. You got, this has to be the Utah comeback, man. We're down 21 to zero heading into the locker rooms. The dogs come back out in the second half. We score 24 unanswered. Look, we step up with a pick. We get a fumble recovery. 431 remaining. This was incredible. I mean, one of the most fun I've had watching a game on TV in a long time. Down by seven. Totally agree. Dogs march yep. 81 yards. Demo lasers a 16-yard touchdown strike to Kate Otten. Trent McDuffie ends the game picking off Jake Bentley. What a freaking game. That was the apex of the season for me. I totally agree. I, uh, you know, I thought it was amazing. And, you know, the leader in my mind, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is uh, Elijah Molden with a pick and returns it 24 yards. Um, man, what a stud. And, uh, you know, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome to see that offense respond the way that it did and just push and believe in itself and, um, you know, uh, uh, get it done. It was a, it was a great comeback win. It was a blast. Um, can I, can I get a Mitch Debbie downer now? Low point. Give me the trough. Okay. Well, I thought you were all, you thought I was going to say the Stanford game, but I'm going to psych you out on that. That's not, I'm going to zig and zag a little bit. (laughs) Had to be the cancellation of the Michigan game for me personally. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, had that circled for over a year, predicting a beautiful, sunny day on the lawns of the Montlake Cut, getting some burgers going on the grill, having a couple kegs nice and iced. Shh, sorry, uh, campus police, it's not a keg. It's just a big beer can. Don't worry about it. These aren't the droids you're looking for. It would have been a glorious day. And unfortunately, we had to cancel it. But wait, we had another game. Had to cancel that too. Also another low. Finally, hold on. How about Cal? No. Also had to cancel that. That to me, that third cancellation, honestly, guys, it's like I lost a kidney. Oh, they took it from me too much. and I woke up in an ice bath the next morning. I seriously had like 
three or four glasses of whiskey that night and woke up the next morning like I didn't know what was happening. My wife walked out and she saw me on the couch just laying there and she's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it was terrible. I my football. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, 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 I actually, I think that's a great, that's a great zig, Mitch, but let me, <laughs> let me bring it back on track. We were still, despite all of those, you know, disappointments, three and oh and staring at a potential berth in the fiesta bowl and we freaking lost to stanford again so i'm gonna still stick with that as my low point just watching that game was excruciating i felt like i was watching every uw stanford game of the last 10 years except for what that one in 2016 um so I'm going to stick with that one as the low point, BT. I, I think the low point, I'm going to piggyback on Mitch. I had It's the COVID outbreak in the locker room. On our side, Oregon was a deeply flawed team. I liked the dogs yeah. to go into Eugene and shut them up and earn that ticket to the Pac-12 championship. And we knew that USC was overrated. We would have won that freaking game too. Um, yeah, so that's tough like, too. It brutal, 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 but what a I lot mean, of downs, a lot. That's what, that's what I was saying with the recap though. There was a lot, there were some good things, but there was definitely just a lot of downs this year, even though they didn't really come on the field. Yeah. hundred, hundred uh, percent. Um, let's give out some game balls though, man. Cause there was some great play this year. If I have one to give out my game ball, look it, I mean, and it has to be, has to be Zion ZTF number 58 out of Pearl city high school, the junior awesome. second, second team, all American led the nation in sacks and forced fumbles per game. There were individual games where he could not be stopped two strip sacks against the beefs, two sacks and a forced fumble against Zona. Look for a guy who was the number 75 linebacker prospect nationally, not the 75th prospect, the 75th linebacker prospect no way 74 dudes were better than him in his position ztf beast you get my game ball awesome awesome volleyball player at that um that's right what did he have like one scholarship offer like maybe maybe two or something like incredible Uh, and that's what the washington program is founded on is guys like that i love Mm -hmm. it and the fact that he's coming back again for another year is fantastic mine goes to the senior who came back this year from Oregon, Elijah Molden. Walked the talk. The dude was all over the field, was just a stud. We mentioned the Utah interception. I mean, the guy was just the bedrock of the defense on the back end. Um, you know, lived up to all the hype. You know, every time he took he stepped on the field, he made a play. And God, you know, as you said, BT. It just kind of it, it had to have been crushing for him that he did not get to play against Oregon his senior year, that he had to have that game circled. I, you know, I was so, you know, when that game got canceled, that was the guy I felt the worst for because, you know, he was just psyched to play that to play that game. Every every year, somebody in the Husky secondary in this generation goes off. And this was Molden's year for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah, I, I, I actually, I we didn't collaborate too much on this before, and I knew you were picking Zion BT, and I knew Mitch was going to pick Molden, um, an <laughs> obvious and and worthy choice. Um, I I I can't stray too far from home there. I really agree that mine is also uh, Zion Tupelo Fatui. He, to me, showed the beginnings of being a really dominant 
position at that outside pass rush spot that we've had so much difficulty with over the last five years or so. Um, and to me, I mean, he just looked, he's the closest thing that I've seen to Steve Entman in the last 30 years. I'm not saying he's there, but I mean, I, I just, he's the closest thing. So I, I, I want to echo that. I, I don't want to get away from that, but I also do want to give a, a third game ball to another guy who really deserves one. And that's Kate Otten. I thought he pl- had a really monster season. Um, he led this team in receiving with 18 catches. He led them in yards with 258. He had the most touchdowns, three. I mean, he was hiding in plain sight behind Hunter Bryant all these years. And then, uh, you know, he became the guy this year and really took off. So I just want to give some 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 ups to Kate Otten from Tumwater. I think that was a, you know, he really showed us something this year too. It's in the water. <laughs> a hell of a player, and that is your offensive game ball for sure. Um, we got to pay a little bit of respect. How about some of these um, graduating seniors slash announced anyone who's leaving, who's sending off? We know they're not coming back next year. Law Dog, anybody that you want to give a question? Yeah, well, I, I wrestled with how to like do this, right? Because I, I did say, hey, I want to, I always want to pay tribute to seniors. I just, I think those are guys who show up in your program, who give it everything they have. They, they, they play UW football and bleed purple as long as they can. And they deserve to just have their names called and, and to be mentioned with, for that. But this is kind of a weird year because everyone can come back if they want. Right. Everybody so, can. Yeah. So I've, I've actually, uh, my list, I actually had to trim my list quite a bit because we have a lot of guys <laughs> who are returning, but I wanted to just tip my cap to a couple guys. Right. Um, one is Elijah Molden. Um, you know, he, he, can come back if he wants, but he, he would be, you know, remiss not to go play for his dreams in the NFL. And he'll be, he'll be a worthy NFL player. And the guy bleeds purple. Um, he spurned Oregon, his dad's alma mater to come to <laughs> UW. And for my money, if there's a Mount Rushmore of the Peterson Lake Kwiatkowski death row defense, I, I'm giving Elijah Molden and Buda Baker a place on that. And I'll, I'll wow. let the rest of out for those last two. I just think those two guys are the just true dogs. So I want to tip my cap to Elijah Molden. And then also, um, you know, there's a few other guys that are, that are leaving. One of them is Keith Taylor. You know, we don't really talk that much about him, but, Mm -hmm. uh, he's been a really consistent performer on one of those, uh, one of those outside corner spots and, um, you know, he'll be missed. And, you know, we've been so lucky to be able to just reload in the secondary these last couple of years. I feel like, I feel like this is one year where I don't know what's what we're getting (laughs) when Molden and Taylor leave. Um, and then the third guy I was going to mention is Brandon McKinney. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's had some ups and downs, but it doesn't sound like he's coming back. Um, so, uh, you know, give him his due. And then Josiah Bronson, a guy who mm. kind of came to temple and, and filled a real need for us when we were losing kind of interior linemen like crazy. And, uh, he, he came and, and did a nice job for the Huskies. So those guys, um, you know, a lot of guys who went through senior day, um, have expressed some intentions about coming back. And there's a couple others who are going into the transfer portal and all that. But I just wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to those guys because they were good Huskies and they'll be missed. 
That's right. And, and look, maybe we have to redo this in the fall when we know a little bit more, but let's definitely pay those guys their respects on, on the way out, man. Nothing cooler. And, and I hope if we don't see them in a fall, the fall we get a chance for them to come back to Husky Stadium. Uh, when uh, On that senior day when they come out, uh, you know, sometimes with their you know, their family members, um, it's pretty freaking cool. And, and that's one time I'm back in the stadium and want to make sure that you're there to, to clap for them. That's pretty freaking cool. Really nice, man. Um, so that was 2020, guys. Should we look forward and do a real quick preview? We're going to be back in the future talking, going in-depth as we get a little closer, figuring out who our DC is once we get the schedule figured out for next next year. But right now, I think we got to talk a little bit about previewing the 2021 Huskies. A lot of things. I mean, outside of the bad news we've had the last couple of days, a lot of starters coming back, a lot of things to be excited about this year. Starting off, we got that big trip to Michigan on September 11th, but let's talk about it. Let's get into this offense. What should we expect from the offense of these Huskies in 2021? So I think this is, uh, there's kind of a, some ups and some downs, right? Everybody returns. That's the, that's the good news. And so let's start with, let's start with some more good news. And that's really on the up front of the O-line. I thought that was really one of the bright spots this season. Uh, and they're kind of come back all five of them. Uh, Jackson Kirkland's kind of the one that may have had some pro ambitions, uh, but he put those on hold to come back. Wattenberg was a senior, went through senior day. Um, <laughs> but he is, he said he's coming back. So Fugious. that continuity will be really nice on the O-line. Um, those guys, and those guys might be the only two that leave after 2021. Um, you know, you might be returning three or four, uh, after next season as well. So this is, you know, up front looking good. Scott Huff, you know holding down that unit pretty well right now. Um, you know, pivoting into tight end, I think, you know, having Otten come back, Westover's back. Now they're adding Jack Yerry to the mix. Uh, we saw a little Jack- bit of Evan Culp this season. I think we have to hold on Jack Yerry though. Are we sure we get Jack Yerry back? Well, I think either way, you're going to have enough depth to be able to make an impact. This huge, season, but- huge depth, maybe more than wide receiver, huge depth and, and tight end. Yeah, so they've they've added uh, some good bodies there, and just Otten is your star, you know. So yeah, and, and yeah. he's and he's been Morris's security blanket. So we'll get to Morris, but um, but I you know I think this is a really well stocked position as well, especially Otten. You know, just the blocking is so good as well as the as the as the receiving game that he has. So receiver, this is a little bit. Um, Jumbled. I mean, we're seeing rumors tonight, in fact, as yeah. we take this about Puka Nakua looking at a transfer, maybe. Um, we've heard about Spiker and Osborne. I mean, I've heard rumors about Spiker and Osborne maybe looking at a transfer. Ty Jones and Jordan Chin have already left the program, basically. Um, Ty, so yeah, Ty Jones is at Fresno, at Fresno State with Hainer. I don't know if we know where Chin landed. And, and maybe he will decide to come back if right. a lot of those guys leave. As of right now, uh, who we know is on the roster um, as of, you know, tonight, if Puka is sticks around, which I, I hope he will, uh, Roma Dunze, Terrell Bynum, Jalen McMillan, there's a lot of talent in that group, right? So, I mean, if those guys all come back, this could be a really strong unit. If you lose Puka and you're, you know, you've got Rome, Bynum, McMillan, you probably still have enough elite guys, uh, but you are losing a lot of depth if, if that's depth. all you've got. So, so um, you know, this this has the potential to be one of the best units on the team in 2021, but, you know, we, we, 
we just don't know enough on January 20th, you know, what the story is there running back. This is a lot tougher. Um, I, I just, you know, the, there was so much sharing of the, of the carries and so much sharing of the load this season. It's just hard to know. I mean, McGrew is a guy who went through senior day, but he's going to come back. I hope he gets more work. Richard Newton. I wanted to see more work from him, but Kamari pleasant, you guys, I mean, 34 carries on the season was second on the team. Um, you know, and Cam Davis not getting that much of a chance, only 15 carries. And a lot of that was kind of in those second quarter, uh, rotations or, or garbage time. I just, I don't know what they're doing here. Um, and you know, then you've got guys like Sam Adams, Jr. Jadavy on Sunday, who are going to get in the mix. So, you know, this isn't a position that they've recruited particularly well, but if you just get one guy who pops, it could be look really good next year. I just, you know, it's hard to say that it will based on what we know. And the quarterback, this is the big one, you know, Sam Heward, um, is coming in and that has kind of chased a couple of those guys, no pun intended, um, out of the program, chase Garbers and Jacob sermon are both, you know, heading for the exits. And so it's really going to come down to Morris versus Heward for the starting job. You know, Morris played pretty admirably, but you got to remember, I mean, he only has four games of experience. I don't think it's necessarily a lock that he beats out Heward, uh, for this job. Um, so, I mean, if he keeps the job, I think, you know, we need, we know what he needs to work on, right? He needs to polish his deep ball. He needs to get the ball out more quickly, just get kind of better results on third down. Um, but if Heward wins the job, you know, could this offense start throwing the ball around a little bit more? I don't know. I think he's going to be a true freshman. They'll probably protect him quite a bit. So I think overall this offense um, showed some good flashes of quality this season, but they still have the, those third down issues, those red zone issues. They just didn't really have any weapons emerge other than Otten. So, um, you know, I think they spread it around quite a bit. Hopefully they got the looks they need to know what they have going into next season, but it's just tough to make an evaluation and see like how good this is going to be next year. I just don't have a feel for it. Oh, there's a couple comments on that. And that's great. Uh, all starts with the offensive line and I love what they're bringing back. And I think that's going to pay dividends in pass protection and then open up the running lanes. Um, you know, m- my inside source tells me that there is that Newton could be, um, another one we lose, which would be a mm. real tough loss. Um, you know, maybe that opens up more touches for cam. Um, and, and that, uh, that, that Sam's dad won't let him play this year. It's kind of taken mm. that old school mentality of, you know, my boy's red shirt in this year. Um, regardless of, of, of how things kind of play out. So, um, mm. you know, and, and, and with the loss of those, you know, and I know we're looking into the transfer portal and we have other quarterbacks coming in, but uh, you don't want to end up being the freaking Broncos where you got, you know, pulling in a running back off the tight, you know, off of the practice team who played quarterback in high school. Um, you, I mean, you never want to have to go to your third option. And luckily you have those four free games to burn. But, you know, if it's true and Damon's saying, look, Sam's not playing this year. Um, we need some backups for for Demo, but I will say um, I like Demo coming into the year, and 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 he impressed. Yeah. I'm still, boy, I mean things could go a couple ways. Like Demo doesn't improve, we lose Puka, maybe we lose Dick Newton. You know, you lose Spike, you lose Osborne, yeah. but the, things could go another way as well, where you know those guys stick around and the offense is totally humming, and we see improvements in John Don year two. Yeah, or maybe maybe some other guys step up right? Um, that we're not expecting. Um, they have talent 
And I, 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 I like law dogs assessment where, you know, a, a lot of it starts up front with the O line. And if those guys, that continuity and they rode great next year, this is a, this is takes pressure off of a lot of different places. Sure does. Let's get to the other side of the ball, man. We talked about it. Obviously, some leadership challenges with Coach Kwiatkowski leaving, but give me a preview of that defense, Mitch. Well, you know, guys, it all starts up front in my mind. I think the news that Ryan Bowman's coming back is huge oh, for yeah. this team. And, you know, Law Dog, from what I heard, I thought Josiah Bronson was considering a, uh, coming back again for another you year, could which be I right think would be a big that, deal. Yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be a really big deal if he does. Um, you know, it, here's what I'm concerned about, right? I, I, every year that we'd be in Stanford, we've had guys on the defensive line that Monster dominated, disrupted rush. monster yeah. pass rush that disrupted. And that's kind of my litmus test now, man. Every time we dominate Stanford, I get really excited because that means we got a team that really can play and, and do some interesting things. And I look at some of the stats and you go down the the um, the, the list of tackles for the year. And, and, and granted, you're not expecting your your defensive line to to be at the stop, top of the stat list. But, you know, quite frankly, don't you expect your top defensive lineman to have more than 10 tackles on the in total in your entire year? Right. Sam Taimani, 10 t- total tackles. Then you keep going down. Josiah Bronson, eight total I'm talking about Thule, Leitula Gasanoa. Yes, he was hurt. Totally get it. Five total tackles. Mm-hmm. Then you're getting way down. Jacob Vandis, Fatu Tula Taylor. Like you're expecting more from those guys. And you know what? They have to step up now. These are four-star recruits, man. These are not guys that like you were developing on the sideline. And quite frankly, the coverage a little bit bare behind them too. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm a little bit nervous about the defensive line, quite frankly. They have to step up next year, from my perspective. A lot Behind of running, them, a lot of running, a lot of running backs. First touch was seven yards downfield, dude. That's why you're seeing they, the runs, right. They yeah. got blown off the ball quite a bit. Super, you know, and 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 having Tuli hurt at the beginning of the year really hurt, but at the same time, you're really expecting some of those other guys to step up, and it didn't happen this year. Um, which, you know, kind of goes back to the, 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 I think some of the pain that we had where you had guys like Levi on Murzerke who didn't come back. You know what I mean? Like that would have made a big difference. It made a really, really big difference, you know, and try on and stuff like that. So, you know, you go to the next level. How um, good could this defense have been this year? Levi and Jones. I I mean, those guys would have been there. I think it would have been a very different story. Because it would take pressure off I of some of the other younger uh, guys. I wanted to correct this too. Josiah Bronson is list, Seattle Times January seventh, no longer on the team, um, and Jack Yerry no longer on the team. So you were right, BT, on huh. that one. And it looks like those guys are both off the roster as of right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good update. Good update. Um, you, you look at the linebacker, the second level, right? And and it gets a little interesting with like who's playing on the pass rush and stuff like that. But um, you know, Eddie and Jackson Sermon, I thought had really solid seasons. Eddie uh, Ulufashu um, led the team in forty-seven total tackles. That's a lot, guys. Jackson Sermon right behind him, number two at twenty-seven. Elijah Molden third at twenty-six. 
right? Very interesting. And then a big drop off, Kyler Gordon, Asa Turner, Trent McDuffie, and then ZTF. Um, so I, I, you know, I like where our linebacker core is at, um, you know, and you had some key, um, you know, injuries. You have some guys coming back there. Uh, I think that linebacker crew is going to be just fine. And then on the back end, I'm really excited because I think Kyler Gordon took a step forward. I think he looked a little bit overmatched, um, you know, his redshirt freshman year. This year, it seemed like he took a he took a he took a step forward, which I'm excited about. And then you got a guy like Trent McDuffie who's going to step up, um, and Asher Turner is getting better. So I think that back end has continued to be solid. Um, I'm just really, you know, mostly concerned about the D line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Savelle's only yeah, going to get better. Yeah, I don't know if there is a a star in the secondary though with the departure of Molden. I mean, I, I just don't know who that guy's going to be. I guess it's I guess it's McDuffie. Um, yeah. And, and um, but yeah, I just I feel like this is the one year where I'm kind of like taking a like I haven't even, I've just set my watch to it. Our secondary is going to look great. This is the one year where I'm going to be watching a little more closely. I agree though, Mitch. I think the linebackers. Um, you know, especially Ulafoshio got better as the season wore on. You got ZTF who br- had a breakout season. The D line is key, but I do think you're uh, kind of underselling the injury to Thule. Um, He made, you know, when he was in, what was that, in that Utah game where he made that big stop on fourth down? Um, you know, when he was in, he was making plays. Um, he just, those guys who get double teams on the, on the front don't get a lot of tackles all the time. Uh, Vita Vea, you know, might've been an exception. Greg Gaines might've been an exception, but, uh, you know, I, I think the defense has shown us enough. I just, you know, we need to see, I I think it's just, we just didn't see enough of them this year to really say, I think, and you lose Molden and Taylor, two guys who are really consistent for you on the back end. It's like, okay, then judge our defense next year based on four games. It's tough. You, you gotta have more though. You have to have more on the interior. They cannot get pushed four yards downfield, right? Like they, it just needs to be better. Um, and, and that's, yeah, and that's I, a differentiator I, I, when they're better, when they're good, you know, when they're a dominant team and they win the pack, they win the pack 12 title. They have a guy that stands out to your point, a law dog that can beat the double team and make a play in the backfield or, or relieve pressure enough and disrupt where other guys around him make plays. He just didn't see it this year. I think we get Thule back. We'll we'll see some more. We'll see Smalls another year along. We've got ZTF Could back. Be. Yeah. Um, if Bronson comes back, Ryan Bowman's coming back. You're right. It's not an elite unit, but um, but I'm a little bit more optimistic if the if it's a healthier unit another year along next year. The the bigger concern, and not to belabor this point, is what's behind them. Like they've had light recruiting on the defensive line behind these guys. Right. And so that's actually the bigger concern. Like I, I have confidence that some of these guys are going to turn out like Sam Tamani, like they're, they're going to be Taki Tamani. They're going to be okay. You know, like some of them are going to, I think improve and somebody's going to take the next step forward. I, I'm actually kind of nervous about like who, who's the pipe, where's the pipeline at? And, mm-hmm. and, that's what's keeping me up at night, quite frankly, with that group. To, to Mitch's point, I, I think the Huskies are going to be really good next year. And and not to be a homer, but they will be my pick to win. 
um, the Pac-12, just the, our, our conference. But I don't think that's an indicator of where the program will be in the next five years because they really are going to have to reload and, the, and we can get into recruiting later on. You're right. But I don't think I don't think this I, I really am very bullish on them. I don't think this next fall will be an indicator of that. Should we get into special teams? Yeah, I oh. go for it. Total oh, fun. Uh, so let's face it. I mean, Bob Gregory's special teams were anything but in 2020. Only one way to go but up. And when we talk a little bit about like Bob Gregory and like, you know, name for a defense coordinator and say, well, how about you start with the special teams, which I've always thought is. Start by doing the job you have. The most. Yeah, that's right. The most critical almost from a coaching perspective where i do believe you if you you can have all the talent in the world if you don't spend time on special teams and coach that up uh you're gonna suck uh and and i think that there's good special teams coordinators and teams that really do believe that that is a a critical aspect of the game that um outplay their opponents and we have not let's get into it kicking um Peyton Henry missed a field goal in all the first uh, in the first three games. He in the first three games he missed more than all of 2019. Finished the season four of six. We got an extra point blocked against Stanford. That's not his fault, but we did. Some of that's coaching. Um, look, remember in the Utah game that stupid attempt we did to draw him off sides and we push ourselves back and he misses. Uh, again, coaching. But Peyton Henry was almost automatic in 2019 and he took a step back. Kickoffs. Uh, Timmy Horn out of Punahou. He needs to improve, man. He really struggled getting the kickoffs into the end zone for touchbacks. Uh, he kicked at one out of bounds. Remember against Stanford? Yep. That was super critical. Um, and this is now let's get into the co- coverage. Wow. Daniel Pete against Stanford. They're starting position for us 31, 36, 30, 43. And then we couldn't stop them. Our coverage suffered. We were ninth in kickoff. Ninth. Punts. Race Porter. He's got to improve his junior year. Our punt average was 11th, 38 and a half yards. Race Porter's got to get better. Small sample size, but we were 10th in kickoff returns. Very small sample size, so it's tough to see. Sean McGrew took most of these. Um, look, but he has, Sean McGrew has. BT, you're skipping all the good parts. Oh, I, I, let me get to the good. Let me get to the good parts. Uh, this ought to be interesting. Uh, punt return. Now, punt return third. Right, yeah. Most of those, Trent, McGuff, Trent McGuffey, McDuffie had McDuffie that huge was awesome. Oregon State, big forty-five yarder. So that's there. Look, and I do think we have the talent there. Now, do we need to get into like long snapping? I mean, Jaden Green in his first year, obviously that you, you already alluded to that. The first series goes over Demo's head, but he he made he uh, race Porter's head. Settle he made, down. He made Porter jump a few times. Even when he caught yeah. it, like you can't make Porter jump to catch these things. Um, so, so look, I, I think it, look the special teams or anything, but I felt like we had had pretty subpar special teams for a handful of years and that we did maybe take a few steps forward and then regressed. So I don't know what happened last year, but um, it, everybody's coming back on that list. We got to get better. So BT, I, I just want to, I was, I was actually hoping for a chance to talk a little bit about race Porter on the senior segment, but he is coming back. So I left him out, but I mean, the really interesting guy, he's actually a good athlete, really stick golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we saw some of that athleticism this year, uh, cause he did have to jump a few times. You're absolutely right. This was a big step back and I wanted to tie this back into the Kwiatkowski situation. You've now got a defensive coordinator hire that you're making. I think it's likely, in fact, that depending on who you hire, you're going to see some other guys come with that coordinator. Um, 
and maybe replace some of the existing guys on staff. And I think Bob Gregory is a guy that you don't have a ton of loyalty to at this point. Like he's probably the, the next one on the chopping block anyway. Um, and I could see Lake making a big change there. So we might see a lot of changes, you know, now that there's kind of this one big domino to fall, there might knock over a lot of little dominoes too. Hmm. Something, something needs to happen, but look, I still, I'm very bullish on this team for next season. I think a lot of things, um, need to get better over time. It's one thing I think they can, uh, a couple more things to hit on board at the end of the pod here. Do we want to talk a little bit about the, the rest of the pack 12, just a real quick buy and sell. Oh boy. Go for it real quick. Okay, here we go. I'm buying, I'm buying stock and, and this is all I'm saying is whatever their record was this year, are they going to do better? Are they going to do worse? I'm buying stock in Arizona state. They were a 500 team. I'm buying in these guys. Um, they put up points. They got the rivals coach fired. How cool is that? <laughs> gotta love that. Jaden Daniels is, is, uh, I think he's, he's coming back. He'll be strong. Hell of a running game with Rashad white, 10 yards of carry chip Trianum, D- Daniel Nagata for depth. All returning. Yeah. Most of the offensive line comes back. All 11 starters on defense return. They bring back Evan Fields, the leading tackler, some really nice cornerbacks and Chase Lucas and Jack Jones. Look, if they can get better against the run, I really like them to challenge in the South. Now, the other side of that, I'll say I'm selling USC. I really believe SC was the luckiest team in 2020. Man, they needed a 14-point, three-minute miracle to beat ASU in the opener. This year's Zona's team. One of the worst Zona teams in the last 20 years. They need extra help to squeak out a 34-30 win. They get Utah in Utah's first game of the year after all the COVID delays, which we knew was a disaster for every team that happened to. So they get those two team-ups. And look, I mean, they beat a downtrodden Wazoo team who was missing everybody. Maybe their only impressive win was a close one, 43-38 over UCLA. And of course, they get handled 31-24. Wasn't that close in the Pac-12 championship, in my opinion. And again, lose the bowl game. They were not a good 5-1 and one team. I believe UW, Oregon, and maybe even Stanford would have taken them out in the Pac-12 championship. They lose marquee step to Nebraska. The offensive line underperforms year in and year out. 97 yards on the ground in their running game, 3.2 yards per carry. They lose on Monterey St. Brown. On defense, they lose Hufunga, Jay Tufeli, Marlon Tupatolo. Take your pick. Now, they still recruit like freaking crazy. They got the number one player in California stand. They're going to have a great class. I think they're like with Clay Helton, he doesn't have the team's confidence. They're not, I, I don't think they win the South this year. I think this year they take a step back. Buying and selling, guys, talk to me about it. Interesting. All right. So I'll go next. Um, this could be a little interesting and controversial. I'm buying Oregon State. Here's why I think they've got a lot of continuity down there. Because you John always Fitzman, spend your money buying Oregon State, Mitch. That's why. <laughs> This is why, this is why there's no pressure down there. Like there's not high expectations. Jonathan Smith is getting into a groove. They won some games last year. Um, you know, they got guys like Jamar Jefferson. They, yeah, they, you know, they took care of business in, in some certain situations, like for whatever reason, I just think that they're starting to kind of turn like the Dennis, Dennis Erickson playbook, right? Um, guys from the Northwest guys that have played there and I could see them taking the next step. I don't think they're going to win the PAC 12 North by any means, but at the same time, like, I don't think they're going to be the doormat that they've been around the conference. Um, you know, for the last before, before Jonathan, Jonathan Smith got there, um, selling wise, oh man, that's tough. There's, there's a lot of options. 
I kind of think the wheels are going to come off with the chipster down at UCLA. Like, it oh. just seems a little kind of funky. And yeah, they had some success at, at times, but God, like, don't they expect more? And I don't think Chip's really delivering. So I, my call is UCLA. Hmm. All right. I'm going to start with my sell. Um, I am selling the Cougars. <laughs> I don't want to buy them. I don't want to see them on the shelf. I don't care what the price is. <laughs> I'm selling. <laughs> I just, what I saw this year, I was just like, you know, they actually had the makings of a pretty, a fairly consistent program. And they had just come off what? One of their best wins ever. And they beat Iowa state in the Alamo bowl. Um, the same Iowa state team that finished in the top 10 this year. So, um, uh, you know, and they just looked basically like old kooks to me. So w- <laughs> take it, w- whatever the price, I don't care what it is selling the kooks. Um, on my buy, I am going to, I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm, I'm buying the dogs. I, I actually yeah. agree with BT on his last, uh, on his last comment, which is, I think that I'm bullish on them next year. They definitely could kind of go either way, but I think they are going to be a little underrated personally. That said, I know you guys are going to make me choose somebody who's not. And I was actually going to go yes. as my backup buy. I was going to go with UCLA actually. Um, <laughs> I so like I, I'm interested that Mitch sold there. I think Chipster has d- definitely had his share of problems in the NFL. He's definitely a complete asshole, but I, I do think we saw a lot of signs of life from them this season. And, um, and I'm really interested to see what a full season in year, what's going to be year four for him or is it year three, mm. year four? Yeah. Anyway, I, I think this is, it's kind of now or never. I'm, and I think the South, like BT is saying, USC is not, the your daddy's USC ASU. I think they still have a lot to prove. I think the South is like as wide open as they, as it has been. I I'd say another candidate for a buy is Colorado. Um, I haven't taken a close look at their roster, but um, in terms of who's coming back and who's not, but I think they definitely built on what Mel Tucker started in year one of Carl Durrell. So I think that'll be an interesting one to watch as well. So I'm definitely cheating on the buys, but, uh, but there you go. hundred percent outperformed everyone's expectations. And on Mitch's buy Oregon state outside of throwaway, their first game, they were in every game, six points or less. They beat Oregon. Um, you know, no, I agree I, with that. I agree. You know, I think it'll be interesting. It's be interesting to see. And I, I love seeing this, you know, look new commissioner, uh, a lot more cool things happen. Now, one last thing we have to cover before we say goodbye, and holy smokes, this was an action-packed episode, but what people really want to know is who won the gambling pool this year? So, BT, this was something that you just kind of declared that you wanted to do starting in about week <laughs> 12 of the season. So we had to, I had to go back there and read weeks in the season. It's a $100 go. ante per game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I had to go back and re-listen to a couple of our episodes, including our week eleven episode, USC Arizona, our opening game against Oregon State. Um, I couldn't decipher a pick out of your comments on the game, so you do not even <laughs> credit for a pick. Um, I at least begrudgingly took USC and lost that week. In any case, I got off to a real rough start. I I got just two picks right in those first two games. 
games. BT was smoking me at four and three. Then we all had a real nice week 12. Um, and Mitch missed those first couple episodes. So in the end, what happened was law dog made a huge run in week 15 to get back to 500. I did not go. miss on a get your money week back. 15. Whoa. Yeah. So I, I finished the season 13, 13 and one you guys, that is good for last place on the dog pod pool. <laughs> oh, wow. you guys me. BT goes 15, 10 and one and BT, wow. both of our pushes were in that last final game. Stanford against Oregon State. We both took the trees. They covered exactly. Or they didn't yeah, cover. Right. I guess they pushed. Yeah, push. point win. So we both took a tie. Mitch, having missed a few episodes, um, finishes nine and six. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys want to decipher who won. Mitch has a slightly higher winning percentage. BT definitely has the volume of work. I'm going to let you guys duel it out in a trial by combat. Um, but the beers at the Black Duck the next time around will be on me um, to the winner. That's winter. what's most uh, important, really. That's yep. what's most important. Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. I just want to say, next season, now that I know there's real stakes in this, there's going to be yeah. a lot more. You're going to have to. You're going to have to deal with a prepared law dog every week next season. <laughs> I'm into it. And we'll, oh, we, we won't make you decipher the old, old pods for our, our picks. And, and next year, uh, God forbid any of the games be, be canceled. Um, so much to look forward to next year, even though again, tough couple of days with uh, coach Kwiatkowski moving, moving on. Um, regardless of what happens, man, uh, we're going to be here always trying to take an honest, but positive spin on the Huskies as much as we can. Um, go dogs, man. Let's go get it done. Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep. Washington state university. Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep. Is Arizona state a football team? Nope. Touchdown Washington. Yep.